into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was weird. Like, I just need you to say, you may. Can you record? (laughs) Okay, it's recording. Holy shit. All right. Uh, Let's go. California. California. What's that? How's that song go? (laughs) You know, we're doing it. Here we come. Here we come. California episode. I'll be California. having fun. Something in the California sun. Dude, I went. I went too high for my register. That was a mistake. I thought I could. Sometimes pull it off, I regret but... changing our intro to this. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as good as the old one. Yeah. Well, I yeah, have I'm to ask. Singing more. How many uh, variations of California Uberalas were referenced um, when talking about Prop Twenty Two? Was that was that a pretty big thing in yeah. well, Golden State? Hold on, you're getting ahead of us. I'm we sorry, I'm getting ahead. Okay. our guests. We fucking suck so much at podcasts. <laughs> I just had to we know. Do this every episode. and I got to get the question out before the conversation moves away. Shut up, everyone. We just right. have to introduce the guests and then start the show. We always just start doing some weird shit before the show starts. I'm sorry, I just woke up. I'm very cranky. Hello, Sarah Squirm. Welcome to the show. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're a comedian and an organizer and a, a sprite, sparkly, million-colored person on the internet. Organizer is a really nice way to say what I do, which is virtually nothing, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> no, same. Um, uh, I'm doing a really good job being in a podcast, just staring at the computer, <laughs> smiling. You like, are. <laughs> That's what we got to do. Um and also Shanti Singh, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm super excited to be here. A longtime fan. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> oh shit, we got mm-hmm. SoCal and NoCal representation <laughs> in the house. What's the? Is there a Central Cal? Is that even a thing, or is it just the two? Yeah, yeah. There's Central Valley, Central Coast. So you know, you got the Central Valley, like the I-5 corridor. Um, like Fresno, Modesto, stuff like that. So okay. there, there is a central, and then there's a central coast, which is like Big Sur, and all the stupid, pretty pictures usually come from that. Ah, that's Ugh. where Big Sur is. Okay. Or the, the big Hearst Castle, you know, the Citizen Kane ass random mansion. Oh. That's yeah, that's that's Central Coast. Ooh. So well, they're not, they weren't invited to the show, so we don't have to talk about them. <laughs> it's all okay. Right. All right, well, this here is going to be a good old Texas-style episode about California, a big <laughs> Texas heaping of California. Why don't you go ahead and take it away, Anders, as this was your idea, and you got all the information about it. Yeah, thank you. Well, yes, I am, like, I, people tell me I seem like someone from California because of my you know, <laughs> chillaxed attitude and sort of general demeanor. Is it because um, your hair is red? I could see it. Yeah, I, is, I think is, it's your hair. I think it's your hair. 
like this the the color or the sort of the, the style? you look sun kissed my friend you look very <laughs> I, I mean, I golden don't, I, to me quite get it because i will in the sun i turn red it's you know i don't know if that's a california thing i think they like the suntans and kind of the you know, are you a weed addict are you a weed guy formerly formerly yeah. uh more That'll of a kratom king it. now <laughs> is kratom right. a thing in california yet no. Not so much. No. I'm going to bring it. That's it's <laughs> going to be the new gold rush, the green rush. Uh, no. <laughs> hey, you don't make money in the green rush uh, getting kratom. You do it selling shovels. It's all the <laughs> fucking <laughs> drugged out people. <laughs> Andrews, well, you, know. you should wa- like travel the country like Johnny Appleseed, planting kratom trees. You know, you should really. That would my be... my husband like has been obsessed with some Netflix show called Murder Mountain. That's like, mm. I think it's Murder Mountain or something, but it's just about how like all the people grow weed in Mendocino, which is like far up north in California, how they all oh, like yeah. kill each other. Like they all like kill each other a lot sometimes. So, you know, you could be the new, you could be the Kratom version of that Kratom Mountain, whatever. Is Kratom a powder? What is, what, what is the material <laughs> of a Kratom? It Does it come be. from a tree? It comes from a, a plant. It Mom, where does Kratom come from? <laughs> <laughs> it's natural. It's from the earth. <laughs> well, when two saplings love each other very much, they no, it's uh it's a plant leaf uh that you can grind up into a powder. That's usually how it's consumed. That's how I take it. I know people uh, whose I mean, lives were ruined from Kratom. Well, we don't know. Yeah, you're, you're looking at him, baby. <laughs> He's in the chat. <laughs> That's too bad, but uh, they <laughs> probably just didn't have enough of a California attitude. That's what you need to ingest it. Um, but no, the, the Golden State is, has been on my mind for sure with the wildfires, very scary. Uh, but also because of the election, we had some big uh, prospects, old prospects for the left, um, trying to do something with old prospector with prospects. Uh, yeah, and they, they were mined and some gold was found. And then there's some other places we're still digging, right? Um, yep, yep. Let's start with 2020. It's been a big year for the left in California. Uh, I think really the, the beginning of that was something both of you were involved in, and that was the Bernie Sanders campaign. It was probably, I think, the biggest state he won, and it's one he didn't win in 2016. So that's one of the things we can mark as, as a, an improvement uh, in 2020. Um, what was that like doing that in California? Did did it uh, feel like you were at the precipice of a of a winning campaign? And and like, how did that go down? I mean, it felt amazing. I I I wish I felt that great now. Yeah. <laughs> I was really missing that feeling, uh, especially in the beginning of this year, right before the Rona hit. But no, I mean, I think that you know, I can only speak for. The campaign mostly campaigning California because I was the deputy data director in California but I was doing a lot of work with folks in like the field team and everything and you know I think we had like an 80 person staff in California so first of all like the campaign invested in California from the beginning um, and really took it seriously and that was different from last time too because California moved its primary up so it became right. a super Tuesday state whereas it used to be like way back in June and that's where it was in 2016. So, uh, but what was really great is like all of my coworkers and the staff, I mean, we were a lot of mostly like, you know, like younger people and mostly people of color. And we were like, a lot of the field organizers were actually community organizers who were rooted in the places that they were covering for the campaign. 
So they didn't just come in with like the established like connections and everything. They were like people who were really qualified and able to kind of see, um, to organize, but also to see all of the different issues that were impacting their specific community, whether it's like environmental justice or, or tenant issues or whatever, what have you, and like really connect that to like to Bernie. So uh, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm gonna stand my coworkers because I think they did an amazing job. And I think we won like, 52, 53 out of 58 counties. I forgot what the final Damn. number was in the in the primary, but we won, we almost swept it. So um, yeah, I mean, Sarah can talk about her experience, but like, yeah, I, I, I really think the California team was like ready to go. And it was a very, it was a very professional operation, but also it was just, you know, there was so much enthusiasm. There was so much momentum. And when you have a team that's willing to like actually like that, that, that knows how to organize their community already and you hire those people and they represent the people whose votes you're trying to get um, and those demographics, then like that's, that's a great place to start compared to other campaigns. Yeah, oh, the yeah. Bernie campaign was like, it felt, it almost felt like the gaslight of the century being California because I was like so yeah. hopeful in such a now looking back, I'm like, how did I get that hopeful? I don't even remember how, I don't remember what that feels like anymore because there was so much amazing, like I was just a volunteer canvassing like a couple times a week and the like, I guess boots on the ground operation was like so amazing for the Bernie campaign. And there were people like canvassing in like every single area of LA, like the turnout for volunteers was like amazing with organizers um, from every neighborhood and like a, with a big focus on low voter turnout neighborhoods. And like, just based on my experience talking to people door to door, like every single household in California was a care for all and also the dsala working group for bernie was also doing a lot of good like on the ground canvassing and stuff like that and just like i don't know i i don't know anything about anything but like talking to people in real life and not uh really works which was so devastating then to see a couple months later like uh you know, Prop 22 commercials hmm. uh, working. So it was just like, felt kind of crazy to feel like we were actually going somewhere, uh, canvassing door to door. And then to just see like Uber and Lyft spending $200 million on commercials that were horrible, that worked. Um, yeah. And a lot of Bernie staff, a lot of Bernie staff like went to go after the campaign ended to like, so, like there were Bernie folks from California like working on those props. So like against 22, 4, 21, and 15. I know we'll get into that later, but it was just like, yeah. So yeah, it was kind of not, not probably not as fun for them the second time around, but like they're really trying to do that. But trying to do that during the pandemic when you have so much money against you, it's just, mm. yeah. I feel like the we, lesson is- just getting worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The, the lesson is uh, knocking on doors is very good, but spending $200 million even better. If you have, yeah, the can option. you believe it? <laughs> In the future, uh, yeah. we should just have all the money. I think that's how we would do it. It's yeah. yeah. true. It's true. Well, it seems like in sort of the uh, postmortem about Bernie's campaign, one of the critiques is that the operation that happened in California did not happen in later states. I mean, as you said, some some staff went to those places, but there wasn't the like the same long-term investment in you know st states after super tuesday that biden was able to to win big in. um did you find yourselves kind of watching that from afar saying like oh, i wish we had 
you know, that, that same type of involvement, the door to door, the, the distributed organizing and the, the personal canvassing uh, in those states, did, did it feel like you were, you know, just wishing they had, they had done it the California way? I mean, yeah, um, but also I think, I mean, the distributed, like, the, the distributed stuff was really good and like the, the burn app, you know, or, and all that, all that stuff. Like, I think that worked really well, but like, yeah, I, I, to be clear, I don't know. I am not a financial person. I have no idea um, uh, what, you know, I'm not very good at budgets. Uh, so I, I don't really know like how much, like, because like California was like what 80 staffers, that's a lot. That's like a big investment. So I was like, I'm not sure how much you can make that investment in later states. Like, but, you know, if it were possible, then absolutely, especially like, you know, uh, 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 Texas, um, you know, there was a lot of, there was a decent amount of work in Texas. Like, I don't want to knock anybody, but um, uh, that's one where, for me personally, where I keep thinking, I was like, what if we had a ton of people down there? Um, especially right. looking at the sort of the way that, unfor like, unfortunately, but on kind of, you know, understandably, in a way, like a lot of Latinos on the border counties of Texas, like you see that they swung against Biden, right? Yeah. You know, it's like who was down there organizing them, right? But that right. was places where Bernie did relatively well, actually really well in the primaries, so. Can, can I just interject some notes yeah. about that? I've been reading a lot about that lately. Because, Jake is uh, our finance guy. <laughs> yeah, Jake is our finance guy. Yeah, no, I want to uh, do some mad money right now and uh, <laughs> talk about stocks that we need to be investing in. No, no, my family's from like, uh, you know, San Antonio and that like area of, um, you know, Latin immigrants that refer to themselves as Tejanos. And like, you know, it's, I think what's going on right now, my kind of theory in retrospect of the election is that that question of the valley and like why all these people right on the border that are technically Latino voted for Trump is going to be the thing that the media grapples with in the same way they grappled with the coal miners where they're like but oh, what? Yeah. there's poor people and you know <laughs> different type of white person but this time it's like a different type of latin person or whatever and um if you t like if you read up on what's been going on down there um you know it's essentially a class issue there are people that are you know working class and they see um either Biden or Trump as offering them certain things. And another thing that a lot of people say down there is that by Bi the Biden campaign didn't fucking go down there because they treated Latinos as this monolith and basically assumed that, you know, if we play Desaparecido or some shit, in the <laughs> microphone, that's the work you need to do to win over people in Brownsville or whatever. And I mean, you just had yes. to go fucking knock some doors because people aren't even vehemently like reactionary down there. They literally are just approaching this like, I don't know, one guy offered us one thing and one guy offered us the other. And a lot of it comes down to, you know, just like how much money you're going to pay or whether you think you're personally going to get a job out of you know, the next presidency. It was wild to me how much they didn't seem to care. Like, I mean, like, it, the, there was the, I'll be quick, but it was like, there was a first, like, they were running ads that were, like, trying to compare Trump to, like, an old style, like, you know, Banana Republic Caldeo or something. <laughs> yeah. And then, and like, you know, but he was like, and then he was doing some stuff with, like, Fidel Castro and Maduro, like, Fidel's dead, but okay. And then, uh, and then I guess there was that thing and there was something in Bloomberg, I think, right before the election where they said that, like, uh, the, the, Florida, like the Latino organizers for Biden in Florida, 
or like couldn't get resources from the campaign so they're like spending their own money trying to do like culturally confident outreach and everything so like yeah i mean that's crazy that was, that was dumb yeah they focused so much on florida and lost it anyway because cubans are like you know a lot of them just conservative for that reason and then they fucking just assume that that would translate to f- mexicans don't give a fuck about fidel castro like personally yeah. <laughs> you know I watch the liberal mainstream media only like once a year. Like I watch, I'll, I'll watch CNN like if there's like a school shooting or there is an election or whatever. So I haven't something turned funny. on the something hilarious. So I haven't turned on the you know, and I'm like, I've, you know, it's so shocking to watch CNN when you don't watch it. And you know the way I mean, this is so classic. But them talking about the Latino vote or the black vote, as this you were saying, like monolith, and like really, you're not going to talk about class at all like you it's, losing it, because it, of that. you're like they yeah. don't know what poor people means it's really crazy and i thought that was what was cool about you know volunteering for the bernie campaign is like you were on a day-to-day people telling you go to certain neighborhoods and talk about certain issues directly with people that are affected by those issues and then to see you know none of that at yeah. all anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I've had for the past uh, 10 months, actually, just uh, the, the uh, coverage of Nevada election night, the Nevada caucus playing uh, from M- MSNBC. It's been playing on loop in my apartment just because it's such an amazing experience Great watching soundtrack. them. Tr- <laughs> right. They're trying to make sense of this because they spent uh, four years five years at that point talking about how Bernie can only connect with white people. He's never going to get people of color. Uh, Latinos are definitely not going to vote for Bernie because he's said nice things about Fidel Castro and them just like spitting he themselves into knots. Yeah. Them trying to explain yeah, no why one knows he that won means. Nevada. Yeah. yeah. And that's just why powerful, like, so... kind of like the Tempest vibe to it, where they've created a narrative and uh-huh. expected it to inhabit the world around them. And they're just looking <laughs> at the, the canvas like, why? Why yeah. don't my magics take hold? Well, I mean, it is <laughs> also, funny. though, similarly, like, th- th- these people are not consistent, though, because, like, when AOC won, the line was, well, socialism only works in these right. deep POC neighborhoods and white America won't go for it or whatever. So like, you know, yeah. Urban, is socialism a gang? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah Meanwhile, uh, in October and November of last year, I went on a tour. I went to like every, almost every country, not even, I don't know how many, I'm not country. I went to almost every state and uh, talk about, you know, and I was, you know, doing shows and talking about Bernie and blah, blah, blah. And the most hostility I found to Bernie was in fucking New York and fucking LA where all the rich people live. So in San Francisco, I mean, he won San Francisco, but I'm saying I live in San Francisco. I was not expecting that to happen. Like, I think like, even in terms of the places that we focused on, like we focused on certain parts of San Francisco, but in terms of like, what were the priority areas that we really need to invest in? Like definitely LA, but San Francisco, we were kind of like, I mean, we, our, our field people did a great job. Like I did an amazing job. Uh, but I was surprised that he even, that he wanted here because I wasn't expecting that to be quite honest. So who came out of the, the woodwork form in San Francisco? Cause I, I, and I made this faux pas on the show before. I don't think anyone uh, corrected me, but I, they should have, cause I referred, to, I've referred to San Francisco as a wealthy city and obviously there is a lot of wealth there, but it's also 
a lot of poor people there uh, as well. Um, did they come out of the woodwork for Bernie or, or did, you know, Elizabeth Warren kind of split the moderate vote? How did he, how did he win San Francisco? Yeah. He, I mean, I mean the, the like working class communities of color came out for Bernie in so much as they are left in San Francisco. There are like, for example, like the mission, which is like heavily Latino, it's the most Latino part of the city um, mm -hmm. and most heavily gentrified, unfortunately, but they came out for Bernie. Um, I'm forgetting now, I feel really bad for forgetting the San Francisco return specifically. I mean, obviously there were parts like, you know, there's the marina and there's, there's parts where like really, really rich assholes live. And that was like, that they went for Biden. Um, and then there were some war normies, but in the kind of in the middle, but like, I, I don't, I, it was definitely the base for Bernie was, I mean, that's also where we organized. Like we weren't going right. to go into the marina and like, yeah. have to like ask someone's butler to like ask their you know master <laughs> to vote for Bernie like so uh so the results there were predictable but yeah I mean I was I was I was kind of surprised though there were pockets of the city where like the turnout really uh surprised me but now I'm forgetting what exactly it looked like but uh but a lot of the I mean a lot of the elected officials endorsed Bernie not a majority oh. of them but i would say like almost a majority like a, yeah yeah a lot of a lot of democratic party like progressives like because san francisco is just all democrats there's like the progressive democrats and the moderate democrats and like almost all of the progressive democrats went for bernie um and then the moderates mostly actually went for warren and then our mayor endorsed bloomberg for some reason <laughs> but that was like yeah confused everybody that's just mayor shit that's just mayors. Yeah. Unless you're a mayor. Mayors helping mayors. It's a mayor thing. I mean, he was mayors across America. He was just giving like millions of dollars to um, cities, just to the I, I believe, just to the budgets of cities or foundations or things that like the the government you know needs because uh, they're not willing to tax rich people for it. Um, Couldn't pay his workers though. Yep. <laughs> God. And the the largest swath of LA that went to Elizabeth Warren what happened to be where all the TV writers live. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah, can you believe it? Los <laughs> Feliz. <laughs> Did she? I'm surprised uh, she didn't like shout out the TV industry in her speeches. You know how politicians will be like, and we need steel. We need to support our fucking exports industry uh, like she's specifically... yeah and thank you to the writers of parks and rec and thank you to the writers of broad city yeah um well we could you know talk about the the primary and bernie sanders for and we could talk about kamala harris's fireside chat at ucb sunset but we won't <laughs> can Media we talk about talk that real about quick it. were you there <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you were. Wait, you that were... was real. That actually happened. It was yeah. actually. I believe oh Andy Richter. I want to say or someone like that oh, moderated God. it. Oh, and God. I'm telling you, UCB Sunset. You're talking. That's going to be a 90 person seater. You're telling me she's not the vice president of the United States of America. Somebody do that math for me, honey. How do we get for? How do we get to the least popular candidate in the, in the United States of America becoming the vice president? Couldn't even get more than 90 seats in LA. Up, something's up. You, wait, did you know Watts what happened? Drop in. <laughs> that that was like an off-record thing, right? Do you do you do you know what happened in the town hall? Did she drop any goodies? Uh, I don't because I basically blacked out that part of my life. I okay. I PTSD myself out of all those memories. <laughs> all right. 
But yes, that's something uh, many of us want to do with this. I got last night. I was having trouble falling asleep. This is why I wake up so late because I just will remember the debate between Bernie and Biden that last <laughs> one, and I'll just get like furious and then not be able to sleep. Uh, right, but they don't anyway, make a pill for that yet. They should, man. Great. <laughs> um, but but uh, there are some more current uh, events or results that have happened in California uh, this past um, a couple weeks ago in the, in the general election. There were some a lot of big things happening in, in Cali, a lot of big races. Uh, there were some props, propositions on the ballot, uh, which is really common in, in California. It's not every state that is constantly getting these these laws on their their ballots. Um, it's kind of cool in a way, uh, but not great news for the left. We had Prop 22, which of course we know about, and uh, Prop 15, which was like a good prop, I think, right? Where yeah, they wanted it was to good. Race. Yeah, what, what, tell us about Prop 15. What, what was the uh, push behind that? So long, a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, just kidding, uh, there was something called Prop 13, which is from oh my 1978. God, I'm so glad you know all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Prop, but it's important, I promise. Actually, I think it was like Corey Robin who was someone who said that he thinks Prop 13 was like the watershed moment for like the accelerate, like the beginning of American neoliberalism. That was like, so that's, he said it very poetically because he's Corey Robin um, and I'm not. But um, I, Prop 13 was basically the sort of like a citizen's tax revolt or whatever, but basically they froze, they voted in 1978 to freeze a lot of people's property and commercial taxes, you know? Uh, and so some people are still paying like 1978 era, like property taxes. Uh, so like, for example, in San Francisco, I looked it up. There's like a map where you can check it out now. I looked it up and there's like some $20 million mansion in like Pacific Heights, like not too far from where I live. And like it is, they're paying like, uh, I think 1% of property, not even. They're, they're saving $200,000 a year in property taxes. Um, nice. uh, so the residential part, it's, but that was, they froze the commercial part too. So there are places like, like Disneyland and Raytheon and shit, like we're not paying uh, or paying 19, Disneyland is paying 1978 property taxes. So Prop 15 would have just gotten rid of the commercial part. The residential part is such a huge third rail in California politics. It might be the third rail in California politics. So they weren't going to tackle it this time. This was just like, let's just do the commercial property first, right? So they called it split roll, basically. Um, but, and it lost by a hair, I think largely because and this is the narrative with all the other props, like the other side spent so much money trying to trick people. So in this case, a lot of people thought, you know, oh, like, uh, oh, it's going to tax me. I'm a homeowner. No, mm. uh, even though it was specifically not going to tax homeowners. Um, you know, so it lost by such a slim margin, though. I mean, it would be silly mm. not to try again, but it was really disappointing. Um, and the thing is that, like, the only other thing I'll say is it, it's all the money that we've lost, like billions and billions of dollars a year, that's really been taken away from schools. Yeah. And that's why, like, Prop 13 in 1978 was fought by the teach against by the teachers' unions. Like, they were the ones trying to prevent it from passing. So it's still really related to schools and uh, segregation and how messed up stuff is here. I might be getting this wrong, but I remember reading in that uh, book, we did, we did an episode on Biden, like, a few months ago, early in the pandemic. And there's a book about his early political career. And he sort of pandered to a lot of those people because that was, like, a movement around that time. There was, like... Um, like a tax strike sort of movement among these 
new libertarian style thinkers coming out of California where they thought they could, uh, you know, abolish paying taxes or some shit. I think that's related. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. There was this guy named Howard Jarvis, like jowliest looking man. If you look at a picture of this man, Howard Jarvis, I have not, he's like all jowls. I mean, he's been dead for a while, but he was like the, he was the guy. He was the, he was the like main figure, like the Iranian figure who like led this whole, and his group called the Howard Jarvis Taxpayer Association, like still sues every city over every tax you pass, no matter what. They always show up in court and file something. It's like it's like clockwork. We don't even we predict it now at this point. What a fantastic name for a jowly character. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many wah sounds in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just funny <laughs> how many people's like personal politics boil down to like it's just literally people being like, I don't want to pay taxes. Isn't yeah. that seems like that's people's only politics. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we've I, talked about that a lot. Anders had a theory about like the '90s whittling down the discussion uh, 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 between the left and right, mainly being how they were going to tax your your income, and so right. that's like what everyone's base level of what politics is is just like: Do I want some or more or less? <laughs> Am I bad? Am I a bad person? That's yeah. what drives me crazy after Bernie because it's like we talked to so many people like I mean those polls came out after the election that were like 100% of Florida wanted to raise the minimum wage and also mm-hmm. like everyone wanted Medicare for all and yet like consistently people just vote with like whether or not they want to pay taxes or not and it's just, it's like I just feel insane it's like what are we even talking about anymore yeah <laughs> it's, well, it's yeah. really tricky because it's hard to explain to those people you actually lose financially in this situation. <laughs> it's a deal with the fucking devil. You'll like you won't pay taxes this year, but you won't be able to go to the hospital when right. you die. You know, right? Well, like Shanti was saying, it's like it was very clear with Prop 15 that it wasn't like people's property taxes that were getting affected. It was literally like you know Burbank in in Los in California is all Disney offices, and they're not taxes like that's what we're talking about and people still are like but what about my (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's i mean one of the few things i will give credit to bill clinton for is actually uh winning on like a soak the rich message and like a tax message like we're gonna raise taxes on the wealthy and that's it you know don't worry if you're if you're middle to to lower class we're not gonna raise your taxes and uh we're going to redistribute the wealth, but we're going to do it, unfortunately, not to the working class, but to uh, the deficit, um, mm. which just anecdotally, this, it's weird because there are some people out there whose issue is taxes, like my dad specifically, but they want to be told that they are going to pay more taxes. Like it's like a Lutheran thing where it's like you want a, a politician to be like very honest with you and tell you how you have to like sacrifice something. But that's not a popular message. Um, that's weird. No. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we had Prop 15. Uh, that was, it, pardon my ignorance, but it, when, it's set, when it's Prop 15, Prop 22, are there 22 other props on the ballot or that's just, it, that's what it's called for no, some No, they kind of just go through like, uh, like they go through like cycle, like they cycle through it. So like, uh, I think in this time it was uh, 14 I don't know exactly how they cycle through it but this time it was like the first one was 14 I think and then the last one was 25 
Okay. So there wasn't like a prop one, prop two, prop three this time. Yeah, I don't know exactly how they, but you know, they, they just, they cycle through it like uh, uh, over time each. Uh, and I don't know exactly how they do it. Because uh, I'm trying to think of the ones last time. Oh yeah, I guess the ones last time were the first few numbers. Because yeah, there was a prop 10. So yeah, I guess the next time there'll be whatever, however many props there are, they'll start, they'll start at 26 and count up from there. Wow. Okay. And I um, just moved to LA like a year ago. So all this like prop stuff is new to me, <laughs> but it was funny. It's like, some of them are like, do you want a fun stem cell res- research? I'm like, I don't yeah, know. No. Don't ask me this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's like secret language in there. That's like what we yes. talk about prop 22. And I'll be like, I thought I voted for stem cell research, but actually like, you know, it's like a, a like puppy killing bill or something like, you right. know, you, just, you never know what's, what's in there. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised there was as much ticket splitting as there was, because you would think that it would just be like, uh, I I think all the props are good, or I, I don't like any of these props. It would just vote all the way no or all the way yes. But it seemed like um, people, at least, you know, maybe they didn't know the actual consequences, unfortunately, but because of all the advertising, they were able to disting- distinguish the props and have at least that level of nuance to, to know which ones um, signified what. As my dad would say, that's how they get you. That's how they get you. Mm -hmm. Um, And another place they got him was Prop 22, which uh, passed, I think, by quite a bit, right? Unfortunately. Um, I have to to go back to the (laughs) my opening question. Uh, Of course, this was a prop proposition that was backed by Uber and it was in California. Uh, so how many variations on the pun California Uber allies, uh, Uber allies, maybe was, was that a joke that, uh, was beaten to death, uh, over the past six months? I think so. Uh, I don't know if it was beaten to death, but you know, definitely a lot of, a lot of California Uber allies jokes. Also, I mean, uh, especially in the Bay area, cause you know, Dead Kennedy's SF band or Bay Area band rather, but, and also Jello Biafra ran for mayor of San Francisco and you can, oh, right. and you yes. can still see him at shit. So like, yeah, I, I think definitely in my Bay Area circle, we made that joke a lot. So okay, that's just that's my, great. that's just my data anecdotal experience. I, I have a question. <laughs> you see Jello Biafra around. Isn't he like a big lib now? Yeah, I think, I think he, yeah, he's like, he's like the guy, like he endorsed, I think he endorsed both Warren and Bernie. <laughs> that kind of guy. That kind of guy. Donate to both. Oh, God. I thought he was that like kind a Hillary of... guy, like back in twenty sixteen. No, 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 it's not that. No, no, it's not that bad. What about was... a what about a Jello cool cat? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Jello. Oh, fuck. hold on, give me a second with this. Uh, he did run You take the for... cat words and you put them in the Dead Kennedy song. That's how you got to do it. He did run for president uh, against Ralph Nader for the Green Party nomination in twenty years ago. Actually. Oh, it's let Ralph Nader had something. Come on, leave him alone. <laughs> well, he won. That's one of the few races he won. It was against Jello Biafra. He can say that much. Never go is... against Ralph. <laughs> Jello Biafra's San Francisco mayor platform was like actually pretty cool, though. Uh-huh. Um, like I think he wanted to. Uh, he wanted to uh, make cops. Oh, oh, police had to be elected. Um, oh, that's a good oh. idea. Police had to be elected. He obviously wanted to seize all the vacant housing. Um, he wanted uh, businessmen to be required to wear clown suits, and he yes. wanted to and he wanted to, I think, abolish cars. That was the oh, oh that's cool. These are popular oh. initiatives. Oh, Jello. 
Yeah, I especially the clown that. suit one. Yeah. He ran against that, Feinstein sure. too, so you know, imagine if he beat Diane Feinstein. Jello oh, no. Biafra and the Sunrise Movement present. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so uh, Prop 22 passed, unfortunately, um, and there was a provision, proviso, however you say it, in the bill, in the prop, that made it so it can only be overturned by the the uh, legislature with something like seven-eighths majority or something like that. Yeah. Uh, completely insane. Mm-hmm. What's the the strategy going to be to oppose it? Are the, is there any hope of... of um, reversing it in any way or, or have has the the left in california just accepted that this is the way it is i what i've seen from dsa like love dsa you know kisses up to god but like there wasn't even any organizing really around prop 22 and like mostly dsa focused all their organizing efforts around prop 15 because they like definitely felt like it was really popular like they felt like they had a chance with like really pushing prop 15 but i think everyone felt so defeated by how much money was behind prop 22 that there was like in la was virtually like kind of zero organizing on the dsa's part around like fighting it at all because it felt like such a daunting task like there was i don't know i don't i don't know how you feel but i felt like everyone felt like really defeated in la around it i don't really see much organizing about it at all from the dsa's perspective and i don't know shit so that's where i am (laughs) hell yeah i i think in the broader like looking at labor too like i i I don't know what the, the i don't know if it was like a collective action failure like labor like labor provided a decent amount of money against prop 22 uh you know it's hard to just go up against 200 million dollars like even even organized labor doesn't have 200 million dollars to throw around like that um so like there was a concerted campaign and yeah like dsa you know from what i agree was mostly up here too mostly focused on prop 15 uh, which was also also incredibly important um but with 22 like i feel like I don't know what labor's next step is. Um, I'm, I'm sure they're gonna do something. I don't know what that is, but I think like at least in San Francisco, like people are starting to think about what's next, especially because these ghouls are like, they're all here, they're living here. Like they're walking right. down the street by me. You know what I mean? Like Dara, whatever his face, like, you know, like all the, the companies are headquartered here. You know, we've had to fight them before on a local tax that was gonna, um, that is actually finally got out of court after two years. Uh, that is going to fund um, housing for the homeless and like mental health services and stuff. So like we've had to fight those companies before on local measures mm-hmm. um, and we won that time. But, you know, I think there is, a, I think the Bay Area has to like, we have to take a lot of responsibility because this is where they're all, this is where these goals are all living. This is where they're hanging out. This is where they're, we're the testing ground for everything that they do. Um, so, I mean, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that the Bay Area, like progressive groups, socialists, labor, the gig workers themselves, which is really important, can like actually, you know, start start here and work outward to, and like hopefully inspire some other people in California. Um, but I think I think the city will I think the city will try to do something. I don't know. Like mm-hmm. I've heard talk about a co-op app. I've heard talk about like a unionizing drive or some kind. Like it's just it, no one's figured it out yet. We're all it's still bummed. Shit. It's a shame that Jello didn't win and become the mayor because then <laughs> you would have these tech giants, but they would still have to dress like clowns. Right. But they would mm-hmm. be all like so you could spot them. 
well they'd be all scary and sci-fi about it so like they would have like you know their big floating clown platform that they fly around on and shit (laughs) and someone who dresses like a clown by choice i think it would make them more popular so that's yeah (laughs) i didn't even think about that Uh, well he also wanted to ban cars remember right yeah i heard that in san francisco there's delivery drones is that real I haven't seen one, but I have heard of them, so it's entirely possible. I personally have not experienced or requested anything from a delivery drone, uh, but I mean, I would believe it. I believe anything. If you tell me like anything that I heard this happen in San Francisco, I would believe it. Anything. Uh, I heard Jeff Bezos was going to pay people uh, $8 an hour to give them all their urine. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. Like, they're they're rolling it out in the dog patch you've heard of the blood boys what about the urine boys (laughs) Uh, that's gotta be a thing somewhere yeah Yeah. somewhere in sf someone is drinking some rich guy is drinking urine like a (laughs) hundred percent i knew i knew people who i i had a roommate who did that actually in minneapolis it's uh (laughs) it's great for interdimensional awareness which (laughs) some of these people are probably into it's Uh, sun tea it's sun tea yeah yeah (laughs) It also you know, fixes the problem of not being able to pee in the Amazon warehouse. Now you just have a side gig. Oh yeah, like right. in Water just, World. Yeah. Keep uh... I'm thinking as a businessman. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have AirPods in, so I understand. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, for people who don't know the background, just to not to linger on the the disaster too long, but um, this was a there was a law an imperfect one, but a, a law that had been passed by the legislature and I believe signed by Newsom uh, that was going to make uh, independent contractors employees of, of like Lyft and stuff. And they got an extension for right after the election. Uh, so basically if Prop 22 had failed, then um, they would have had to become employees and they would have been able to unionize and all this shit. So it's like, yeah, it was just the the perfect move for it was like a latch last ditch effort in some ways for uh, these gig work apps. Um, but they, well played, international capital. Yeah. You've done it again. Yeah. No, go ahead. I was going to say, as someone who was watching CNN for a week, I did see a bunch of Prop 22 commercials and they were really tricky. And all that $200 million paying TV writers to write tricky little commercials, it worked because there was people stuck at home watching TV in the middle of a pandemic, someone on the TV being like, well, I work three jobs, so I need my flex, my schedule to remain flexible. And that's yeah. why I love Prop 22. And it's like, no, you shouldn't have to have three jobs. Why did this work? They also, Dude, all they those also... stupid fucking like liberal celebrities and shit like uh, Mark Hamill and Stephen King were all like whining on Twitter for six months about how Donald Trump is so evil and stuff. And uh, then they all did fucking Uber ads, like right leading up to the yeah, election. Yeah, yeah. Look at it. You go. Stephen King said, "This is my favorite tweet about the election." He, when Biden won, he said, "This is the greatest day of my life," which is insane. <laughs> because he's I Stephen mean, King. That kind of makes Addendum. sense. For Donald Stephen Trump King. was the it monster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's already like a very dark person already. It's it's you know. 
Well, he has like kids and shit. Like, what do you mean? Well, he doesn't <laughs> remember having kids because he was on speed that whole time. Remember? Right. Also, it's just a right. man with. It's a man with so many successes for that to be the greatest day of his life. He was hit by a car and, like, lived. He wrote a book <laughs> about it. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, my point being that, like, they, uh, yeah, though they, like, do not see the connection between Uber and big capital and then the thing that eventually gives you Donald Trump because it's, like, it's okay if it's Joe Biden, right? It's good capitalism yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It's fucking furious. Yeah. Uh, well, they also, be- they told people, they told people that, like, a lot of people voted for they did like exit polls and a lot of people were like yeah i voted for prop 22 doesn't it does not mean that you give uber drivers health care that was like a big uh, right and, yeah and it was like no the um opposite they, they, that's how that. they framed it that's yeah. how they well, this, framed it this goes back to the first thing we said on the on this show which is if you have 200 million dollars you don't need to have an argument that exists in the real world anymore because you just no. get all of you know tv magic on your side <laughs> well was it true that like when you actually take a ride you like sign a little waiver saying you were gonna go vote for it or you like yeah. to get out of this like screen that told you about prop 22 you had to say like okay or like yeah yep. like that level like- of control is <laughs> unprecedented in a democracy yeah, you need yeah. like new ways around that you would think, I think the most would- common like dumb person take on prop 22 that i encountered in the wild was people saying well it's tricky because it's a two-sided issue because then they would go from there and explain how like you know i think the thing that they convinced people was like well you know if if uh, you vote against it then it maybe these companies could not exist at all and then you know then all these employees would be out of work and then you get into this big picture stuff right but it shows you by having 200 million bazillion dollars or whatever and in control of the narrative via like tv writers and celebrities and stuff like that the all you need to do to win is move the goalposts of the conversation from this is horrible to this is a two-sided issue actually because then <laughs> there then you've already, already lost, lost. Yeah. all the momentum's gone god you would think people would at least see like oh uber wants this it's probably bad but uh god they were able to twist it so much there must be i don't know some way to like another prop for like equal time for proposition advertising or some shit like that. But that would probably bump up against citizens United or whatever. Um, I kind of want to make them run. I kind of want to make them run, like run our own every two years, just trying to repeal it and just make uh them spend like $200 million every two years. That's my preferred strategy. So it can be, can it be repealed by popular vote? Cause I I know it can't really be repealed. Okay. So you could do another referendum that would would repeal yeah. it. Okay. That's also, there's, also, there's court stuff that's going to happen because the the law that was passed is AB five that you were referring to that this uh-huh. Prop twenty two overturned. It was just codifying a court decision, like a California uh-huh. Supreme Court decision. So yeah. like it was like the court decision is still there. Like if you don't, you can't overwrite like the courts by prop. Uh, only the legislature. So right. We'll see. All right. Some hope there. Uh, speaking of hope. Uh, Council District 4 in Los Angeles elected a uh, DSA member and a cool gal who is uh, like an urban planner, right? Or, and you hear urban planner, and it sounds bad. I shouldn't have said that. She's actually, she's a good urban planner. She's actually cares about uh, planning in a way that is not uh, disastrous for poor and homeless people. Um, Nithya Raman. Uh, what, what's the story there? How did, how did she win it? Uh, Sarah, I know you were involved in some, some canvases. Uh, how'd that go down? You know what? I, I wonder, I wonder, 
Because she was going up against David Rue, who had a lot of money behind him, and also had the kiss of death from Hillary Clinton and Nancy <laughs> Pelosi. Uh-huh. Um, and I do, I, I'm like, it's so cool that she won, and I think I've been, you know, in the postmortem weeks thinking about how they did it, and they like really just had like a lot of like kind of like tv writers and people with money behind her so i was like which is like a little dispiriting because i'm like you know how you know how do we win these like kind of crucial because the la city council everyone says i don't know what this means is like the most powerful city council in the country like you know whatever they have a lot of power to legislate um so you know you look at her campaign and it was successful because she had a lot of people with like you know blue checks and whatever behind her which is awesome that it worked out but then you look at someone like constantine constantine anthony in burbank who's also a dsa endorsed candidate um who didn't have like any money behind his campaign but he also won just because he was like we have an unhoused crisis i used to be unhoused and uh, we're in a pandemic and this is what i'm gonna do to help you so it's just cool to see and he won in like a resounding turnout okay. uh so it's just cool to see like people in uh i think you move to la and you see everything is kind of all the crises are right in front of you you're confronted with it every day we have like a horrible unhoused crisis uh that's in an emergency state uh, we had multiple earthquakes and fires like uh, during the pandemic. And I think people in, I think people in California have had enough. I'll tell you what. <laughs> yeah. Here, here. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that uh, duo, Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton, I think are now 0 for 2 in proxy fights with, with Bernie Sanders because they also lost uh, Elliot Engel's seat to Jamal Bowman. You'll love to see it. Um, yeah. So there's Nith in LA, there's Nithya, there's also Gascon, who, love that name, who won the uh, DA race against Jackie Lacey, which is also a cool name, but... Uh, coup d'etat. Um, so you got a new DA, decarceral, he's got kind of a spotty record, but he wants, he's part of the decarceral movement, uh, and Nithya Raman, what, what changes, if any, do you think the, this new dynamic will have um, on the city's policy? I mean, I'm hope, hoping definitely with uh, the unhoused crisis for sure. And there's just like a lot of criminalization of uh, unhoused people in LA. Like we have like cop studded sweeps like every week here. Um, so I'm hoping that like, I don't know, maybe the cops will be just less harsh on unhoused people right now there it's like it it really sucks here right now i also think black lives matter la did like an amazing job of just like making jackie lacy look like an absolute cretin um and there's just like demonstrations like like literally every three days like outside of her office uh that had like hundreds of people at them for the past like you know however many months um didn't her husband try to like shoot someone yes he did he got outside with a gun uh yes she's married to kyle rittenhouse (laughs) (laughs) We're moving past that. So wait, did he, did he just like spook him or did he actually like chase after somebody or what? It's on video, I think. I like, think he pointed the gun in like someone's face, like who was like at her door. Cool. Hey, like, you can't be watching this kind of stuff. Come on. These are scary videos. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking for vibes online, okay? <laughs> well, this Twitter time. autoplay feature. When it's all in your up in your TL, you can't ignore it. And it just autoplays. So I have like LA friends who like were kept reposting. I was like, Jesus, 
yeah. It's that's why I, we I, gotta get people RTing that Chet Hanks video after Biden <laughs> yeah. won. That's what we need to fill the TL with. He's no, being sued, that. apparently. No, why too funny? <laughs> who would sue that man? Black Lives Matter LA. Um, <laughs> good luck to him. I actually do have a fun fact about Chet Hayes or whatever. I went to the same college as him, and he was housing an unhoused teenager, youth, in his uh, dorm room who would sell him weed. So actually, oh. I think he's an ally. Awesome. He's a good cool. man. Well, what, uh, you, I like that up, up until you said sell him weed, because that then now it makes it sound like he had like a personal blunt roller. <laughs> it does sound like, a, like an internship at Chet <laughs> Hank's dorm. Yeah. <laughs> this, is my, this is my boy. He rolls my blunts. <laughs> um, Nothing weird. <laughs> well, we had some more uh, victories too. One loss in uh, at least one loss that I know of in in San Francisco. Uh, I with um, I always get Fielder confused with Fiedler, who's in Philadelphia. Philadelphia, yeah, yeah. They're both uh, DSA endorsed candidates. Uh, I watched some of Fielder, right, Jackie Fielder. Jackie Fielder, yeah. Yes. Nathan her, Fielder. <laughs> her debate with, uh, oh man, that would be great if he ran like a, a political campaign. campaign um, yeah. If they convinced some like. Got really good grades. <laughs> if they convinced some like corporate Democrat that like you got to connect with the youth by hiring <laughs> Nathan, Nathan Fielder. Fielder. To, yeah, make, dress up like a clown. See, actually, no, that would win. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> um, anyway, but I watched some of her debate with. Uh, this is his real name, Scott Weiner, her uh, opponent, yeah. and uh, she seemed like she kind of I don't know crushed him in the debate, but but uh, things didn't break her way uh, electorally with the final results. Um, what do you think did it for for Weiner, and uh, is there hope that he's going to get gotten again in the in the next few years? I mean, he's termed out after the next four years, so it'll be oh, an okay. open seat. I hope someone runs, awesome runs for it. It could be Jackie if she wants to run again. I haven't asked her. I think she's letting her take a little bit of a break. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I mean, first of all, incumbency is just really strong in San Francisco. Um, like, look at look at Nancy Pelosi. Like, she's been right. here forever. Uh, but uh, incumbency is really strong in San Francisco. Um, and, you know, Jackie actually, like, I think she cracked, she got to like 40, 40 or 43%, which is like, she's never run for office before. Yeah. She's t 26, although she's, I mean, that's not against her. She's, I'm saying she's amazing. Right. Um, you know, she's like a really uh, energetic and progressive organizer, but for like a city or socialist organizer, not progressive, but for, for a citywide race, like it was always going to be an uphill battle because like you have to get 800,000 people or, I mean, not all 800,000, but you do have to get a lot of people to like, even like sort of know who you are. And, you know, a lot of times people don't run for state Senate until they've been like, you know, ran for the board of supervisors on the school board, blah, 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 blah. Like they've been doing stuff. Like even Wiener himself was on the, our city council, like for like eight years before he ran. So usually it's something with like big name recognition and incumbency. It's really state Senate is like really rough. And for Jackie to actually like for a first time candidate and like a socialist to get to like 43% is actually pretty like we're we're pretty optimistic about it, honestly. Yeah. Um, uh, so so it's, sorry, it was just going to be hard. Oh, I was just going to say, it was just going to be, it was going to be hard. It was going to be a slog from the beginning. Like, we yeah. knew that. 
Um, and do you think you pushed him left on on some issues? Because this is a guy who loves to talk about how good he's been on housing and, uh, you know, the queer community and all this stuff. But you look at the, you follow the money and he's been kind of a tool for, for housing. Uh, do you think this is going to like force some changes to actually deal with like the housing crisis? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I also think, I think the one thing where I think like, Jackie's candidacy very clearly, clearly moved him left was on policing. Like he got hammered on policing because he was incredibly pro-cop as a member of the Board of Supervisors, very pro-cop, very pro-landlord, all of that stuff. You know, when he was like, that was his, he was a city council, he had an eight year record as a city council member, right? Or a supervisor. So uh, it's the same for us here. Uh, so uh, yeah. yeah it's I mean, so funny how it, in San Francisco, the super, it's like the closest thing to the manager, basically. Can I talk to your supervisor? Uh, yeah. elect you to the board, board of supervisors well usually it's like there's a city council and there's a county board of supervisors but we're a city and county so okay. um so like yeah so it's the same thing but yeah the soup he was he was incredibly 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 pro-police like the, yeah. just unabashedly pro-police even when you know sort of his more moderate colleagues would be like actually we're, we're kind of stepping away from the police union on this one you know, he made endorsement choices or endorsed ballot measures and stuff like that that were really so, I mean, she hammered him on that and he is definitely, uh, it, it shows, it shows for sure. Good. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, police in San Francisco have been sort of a hot button issue this last year or so with the new DA, son of uh, former bank robber, Jessa Boudin, <laughs> uh, whose parents were in the Weather Underground and I think were helping some i forget what the group was but they helped rob a bank uh, he had an uh, uncle that was in isis <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's was, uh, <laughs> nazi i don't know <laughs> um but he is uh the da there now and um has really uh confronted the entrenched powers of police unions and and uh, the police department in San Francisco. How has that been going? Has he has he made any concessions? Uh, has he uh, made some serious changes? Uh, what's that looking like? Yeah, I mean, I think he's made some serious changes. I mean, as a like you know, as a as a socialist, I always have like such a weird relationship with the concept of the progressive DA, where it's like, right. yeah, I support you, but then I know that you're going to do something that's going to make me mad. Uh, so <laughs> so far, I can't think of anything that he's done that's made me too mad. Um, but he definitely has like, I mean, he, ha he definitely has like, you know, lower, just, just reduced prosecutions that are reduced bullshit, bullshit prosecutions rather. But, and also I do have to mention, he has freaked out every rich douchebag in the city. Yes. Every time they see like, it's completely like most of what he's done has been like pretty like, you know, I think it would be in the bucket of common sense progressive reform or whatever you want to call it but I mean every time someone sees a homeless person or like you know it's like oh I saw like you know a, a piece of trash on the street or whatever and like people are making up stories like venture capital it's like someone was just saying like I was robbed and I was shot and I was murdered like you know and they're all like <laughs> it's Cheza in San Francisco like they're shooting themselves I mean it's just it's amazing that like they're they're so the freakout has continued for a year. He's been in office for a year. Right. Clearly, like, you know, crime hasn't spiked. Nothing like that has happened. Like, and, uh, but they're still living in some kind of world where they think, like, San Francisco is Gotham and everything is his fault. <laughs> um, 
even though most of what he's done is like, I'm not going to prosecute you for a drug possession. Like, let's right. not do that. Let's not do cash bail. Things like that. Someone you know? stole the piss I was drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I was murdered. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. So what? I mean, he's doing fine. Good, good. Well, another uh, dude who they've been trying to move head, heaven and earth to uh, take out is Dean Preston, who yeah. is a, a supervisor on the board. Um, but he won. He, we got to hold that seat. Uh, how did, why do they hate him, all, hate him so much, first of all? And uh, how did he hold on to that seat? Well, full disclaimer, uh, Dean, uh, I work in an organization called Tennis Together. I'm not representing it here, but Dean founded it and left to run for the board. So he is my old boss and my birthday twin and my friend. Oh. Uh, and I love him. And, uh, but, um, but, you know, one, I mean, he's the first, he's the first socialist, uh, open socialist elected to the board of supervisors in, I think, 40 years. There's only one who preceded him. Um, so I think, that was already freaking out rich people here um, since he took office. Like, so he won a special election last year and then he had to run again this time. And he won the special election. That was a squeaker. Special elections are always weird in SF, uh, but he won by like 200 votes that last time. So uh, yeah, he's passed good stuff he's done. Um, he's passed uh, eviction. He passed an eviction moratorium for non-payment of rent. So like if you couldn't pay your rent, you couldn't be evicted during the pandemic. That was like one of the strongest local things like that we don't have. And Gavin Newsom basically refuses to do that at the state level. Um, he, what else did he do? Uh, yeah, he brought like, he brought, started listening to tenants in his district and like brought like rent control um, uh, to a community uh, that had been displaced by urban renewal, like a, a building complex and they were going to be demolished. The city was going to like displace them. And he actually like helped, you know, bring back their rent control and stabilize them. Um, what else did he do? Yeah, he's just, he's a tenant lawyer. He's a socialist tenant lawyer. That's why cool. they, he really free. And he, and he immediately started saying, hey, let's tax the rich. And that really freaked them out. So he put something on the ballot as the same time so this November that he was, as he was running, uh, he put a couple things. One, he ought, like authorization for the city to build 10,000 units of affordable housing, but also public housing. If oh, we decide to like municipally owned and operated, if we choose to social housing, right? Um, so he put that on the ballot and then he put on a tax to fund it that was just on properties over 10, it was a transfer tax. So when you sell a property that's worth over $10 million, you pay this tax. Now, I don't know if anybody here owns any property over $10 million, but that's not a lot of people. Like that's yeah, usually like- Yeah, I do actually. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, um. sorry. So yeah, well, you don't live in SF, uh, but, but it's literally just to, yeah, it's on property sales of like 10 million or more. So like, for example, like there's a Trump, Trump is selling his stake in a skyscraper in downtown SF. And so he would have to pay an extra 18 million or something. So, and it goes towards really two really diabolical and evil things, uh, building more affordable housing, subsidized housing, hopefully public housing and funding rent relief for all the tenants, like who can't pay their rent right now and are facing eviction in San Francisco. I read a little bit about, uh, him and that, uh, the laws he's proposing and something i thought was really funny was that they tried to frame what he was proposing as his opposition tried to frame it as uh, jim crow era like laws but that implies that there was coronavirus in like the jim crow era yeah like, 
based around this like pandemic relief thing. There was oh, a, a that was a zoning thing. It the was coronavirus a of racism. Yeah. Where don't yeah, wear a mask. Virus, actually. <laughs> no, they, they were they, what they what they meant was that like because he's not like in the bag for developers that like that means he's anti-housing you know the whole zoning shit the yimby stuff i'm not going to get into it uh but because like you know because he doesn't you know he's not a cozy with big real estate they're trying to say like he doesn't want to build any housing like he's a jim crow guy and i think they put bernie's face on it even though bernie endorsed him oh yeah that said like bernie sanders opposes it was gross like they spent Whoa. They spent uh, against his ballot measure and against him. They probably spent like three or four million dollars. It's like a one district. It's one wow. district raise. Yeah. Um, in all these dirty mailers, they they had one of like on like homeless people fighting, and it was like some kind of aerial CCTV kind of video like shot. And then they literally used the logo from Fight Club and put Dean's face on it. And it was like Dean Preston's Fight Club. And like, I swear to God, that was real. And there was like, like homeless people are going to fight like in your, you know, and his opponent was just like, his opponent was yelling at our DSA chapter. And she blamed Dean for it, even though he wasn't involved, uh, for handing out tents to unhoused people. So she could not stop talking about the tents. And all the mailers were like about tents, 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 tents. You're gonna um, give them tents they can fight in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, like he was like, you know, he's been like Dean's actually been working on like trying to get unhoused people in hotels. And when the city wouldn't fully fund the program, he started doing it privately, like fundraising it for it privately. So like his mailers were like, "Hi, I was I was I was gonna be thrown out of my you know shelter, and then I was worried I would be on the street in the pandemic. But you know, Supervisor Preston helped me get into a hotel. And then the opposite side is like Dean Preston's like fight club like so that was a yeah. lot of the rhetoric around the david rue uh campaign against nithya raman was because nithya raman had all this like unhoused activism in her resume he was like dude actually like nithya like really like actually encourages homelessness <laughs> i mean it's about time that project mayhem gets involved in the, in the electoral <laughs> process I feel like right where am i sending my money <laughs> um so as we're wrapping up here uh i feel like there's good news in in both of these cities as well as some bad news of course um and there's also good news i i sh would be remiss if i didn't shout out portland maine which passed uh Woo! several of its its ballot referenda including 15 dollars minimum wage uh enforcement provisions for uh facial surveillance technology and a green new deal for the city of Portland, which I think is is awesome, um, and rent control, and rent control, yes. Uh, but in mm. California, all eyes are on uh, will be on the Golden State uh, shortly in Sacramento, Sac City, uh, for Governor Newsom, who will be appointing the next senator to replace uh, the, the Queen Kamala Harris, uh, who's becoming vice president, of course. Uh, as we're wrapping up here, what does everybody think the worst possible choice would be to to uh, succeed her? Uh, who do you think a better one would be, and who is your ideal choice? Just something, someone he probably wouldn't pick but should. Um, Ideally, I would want Jeffrey Katzenberg from Quibi. He's free, actually. <laughs> <laughs> 
he's got a lot of free time on his hands, but I don't know if Gavin Newsom has time to actually appoint anyone considering he's eating $400 plate dinner in Napa with no mask right now. So he's actually kind of <laughs> yeah. busy. He's tied up uh, in the vineyards. <laughs> yeah, I, ideal choice. I mean, I, I don't know. I, me? Um, no. Um, <laughs> I think I think the one that would make me least mad is how I would define it. The one that would make me least mad and actually be like, you know what, this is all right. I'm down with this. Is if you pick Barbara Lee, but he won't because okay. he can't have nice things. That would be uh, mind blowing. Yeah, my she ideal said choice. Okay, she Maybe won't she run did. for president, so you know, hopefully she'll at least do this. Um, ideal choice: the girl reading this. No. <laughs> Get out there. Take this position. Mine is Glenn Danzig because he lives in California. But does I didn't know that he he appoints the next senator. There's not an election. It's like an in California, I believe at least them. <laughs> what I've read is that in California, yeah, there's there's just an appointment. I don't think they do a special election, or is there a special election later? Our government is so fucking I don't think stupid. So. Yeah, I think it's it really point. is. Don't look at my Zoom square. I don't know shit from Cheyenne <laughs> over here. How did they not mention Jello Biafra? That's that's my ideal choice. I think you should do that. I think we need um, like a more excite. We have a lot of monotone in the J-Hive. Senate, but we need like a louder, more exciting monotone voice. <laughs> um, yeah. J Yeah. Jay Hive. <laughs> but but who would the worst possible choice be? Who's uh, and I guess the most likely also. Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to vote for him. He has to no, get no. it. We can't vote for Joe Biden because he'll get millennial burnout if he has too many jobs right now. That's true. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. He has to keep his schedule flexible. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. I can't I can't help thinking what if he nominated himself? I don't think he would, but what if he did? I could He's so ugly, he'd do anything. That guy's so fucking ugly. <laughs> Joe Biden? No. Gavin no. Wait, Gavin, Gavin, Gavin Newsom. Lizard head oh, ass. He's a lizard head. <laughs> what do you think he should do with his hair? Because he's had that hairstyle as long as I've been following him, and it's just a slick... It's like a, um, an actor playing a skeezy politician. With the he just has had that haircut. Back. I think he was born with it. I've yeah. seen like there's like pictures of him when like running around because he's like a San Francisco trust fund like super rich kid like knew the Gettys and the Pelosi's and like was just born to be Gavin Newsom. So yeah. I've seen pictures of him when he was like really young and like he was just had some like wine business or something. I forgot what it was. It was really random. Uh, and he had the exact same hair. So he's oh, cool. And you've seen the photo. Harper's Bazaar photo. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that looks like oh, the ad- that looks like the movie really... the dreamers to me with um <laughs> michael pitt deep cuts <laughs> uh so yeah i guess any any closing thoughts anything to be anything more to be hopeful for in the the state of california and elsewhere about the state of left-wing politics yeah I have, that's yeah. a really tough you, question you go, i didn't you go, realize <laughs> you go first i can't let me I mean, I, I'm sitting here like, duh, the whole time. Y'all are talking about like Prop 15 to 44%. And I'm like, duh. I don't know. It was, it was I do feel stupid because I was so hopeful about Bernie because uh, California was so excited. But I actually shouldn't feel stupid because California rocks. You still see Bernie bumper stickers everywhere. And uh, I think the 
you know, Nithia getting elected here, Constantine Anthony, like all the big, you know, Prop 15 was popular, even though it did not win. I, I feel a little hopeful. I don't know. I feel the more, the more fires and the more earthquakes and more despair people get throttled into, I don't think that they are going to be able to handle anything else except uh, socialism. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's something we didn't talk about, uh, but we should probably note is that Sarah, you did hella fundraising for oh, right. and all the right props and stuff like that. Um, so you know, thank you for that. That was very cool. Yeah, See, I'm not very smart up here, but I could do a couple of comedy <laughs> live stream fundraiser shows. <laughs> In our tradition, that Alex and I uh, started in New York uh, of raising tens of dollars for. <laughs> Uh, candidates it's now uh, been been increased by people who are better having the headliner just roast you on your own show about how little money you raised for a good 15 <laughs> minutes in front of some people <laughs> you know the the most successful dsa fundraiser we helped with was there was the dsa's immigration working group started a stimulus solidarity campaign that raised I think $65,000 for people who didn't qualify for stimulus checks. So we raised that, you know, that wasn't just, a, we didn't raise the that $60, was a comedy $1. show. No, 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 no. The <laughs> comedy show. Huge comedy show. <laughs> like it was, it was four hours. I was very tired. Yeah. Um, but it, together the campaign with the live stream show and all these other efforts that the DSA working group was doing, like that made me the most hopeful was like, there's a bunch of people who don't qualify for stimulus checks and DSA immigration working group is able to raise $65,000 for people who are working uh, in uh, a pandemic, even though the state wasn't supporting them. So that made me feel hopeful. And I wish that DSA wasn't so shy about asking rich people for money because that's what, if, if Prop 22 has taught us anything, it's that we need money, honey. Money. Look, what is there to be hopeful for? System of a Down just put out two new songs. And three out of four <laughs> members of their group are not Trump guys. So, I mean, with odds like that, the left is looking good. Armenia will live, and so will communism. Dude, left is looking good. DSA just came out with these, like, sick new varsity jackets. Like... <laughs> I have one of those. I'm, I won't lie. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Do we have trucker hats? I hope oh, DSA oh, trucker hat. It's not 2006, Alex. Their <laughs> fashion is cyclical. It's true. Maybe yeah, we need some like Ed, Ed Hardy. Remember, like yeah, some Ed Hardy DSA. Yes. Ed Hardy socialist art. There you go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Avon Dutch Ed Hardy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all, right. all right. Well, well this has I think been that's yeah. We all went around and said what we were hopeful for. <laughs> now let's carve the hope turkey and finish this podcast. The hope punk turkey. Um, yeah, where can where can people find both of you? Not together. So you can you can do together. Maybe you want to start a joint Stay Twitter. Stay separate. Or... There's a virus. <laughs> Plugs. Let's begin. Let's Sarah plug Squirm. It. I am. If I... Oh. Oh no. No, you first, you first. I okay, talked okay. too much. I talked too much. No, that's how I feel. Uh, I am at, uh, at Ashanti on Twitter, but it's UH Ashanti. So, yeah. Cool. And I am at Sarah Squirm on Twitter. And here's the thing. I'm a comedian who is inside and I'm sick of everyone not watching my little videos on the internet. So that's my plug. Yeah, fleets. 
Actually, oh no, 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 none of that. <laughs> That's cooler than my plug, which is just organized attendance union. Yeah. Organize the tenants in your building. That's all I got. Oh, yeah, that's also my plug. Please donate to the Food Not Rent Fund, the Los Angeles Tenants Union's Food Not Rent Fund to support um, people doing rent strikes in LA. Okay. okay. Oh, oh crazy. We'll I got that, one yeah. more. I'm yeah. sorry. No, now good. that you reminded me, uh, DFA San Francisco, uh, we have the Hotels Not Hospitals campaign. We are trying to fund privately to put homeless people in hotels safely so that because the city won't do it and the mayor sucks. <laughs> Can you believe you guys told me to plug something and I plugged my Twitter videos? <laughs> and Shanti was like, actually, you should, I'm going to plug something good. Yeah, that comes up every week here. We just need a separate section for the things that are good because it makes you look like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You said plug. No, you can do, you can do both. Do? I'm, oh, I'm wow. saying you're correct, and there should be a separate section for like helpful, constructive things to do. Because I do what you do every week. Yeah, so uh, literally, oh Anders just goes, "Well, my plug is I'm my plug goes to the people like, of Somalia." <laughs> my plug this week is uh, to hug your mom uh, virtually. Don't do it in person, but send her a hug emoji. Um, also follow me at Anders Lee here where you can hear, uh, more places to, to donate and, and to get involved as well as a joke or two. Uh, and also as I, I'm going to plug this again, cause I think it's important if you are care about, if you're invested at all in the election in Georgia, which I don't blame you if you're not, but if you are, uh, don't donate to the campaigns, don't donate to the DNC or to, to the, uh, Lincoln project. Go to janemacalevy.com, J-A-N-E-M-C-A-L-E-V-E-Y.com. And she has um, a section interested in helping the Georgia Senate fight that gives you actual organizations that need the money, that are doing good work, that are registering people and getting working people involved in politics. Oh, crap. I just donated $400 to the Biden-Harris election. No. Oh, shit. Undo, no. undo. Oh, crap. Send them an email. Ask for it back. <laughs> okay, Alex, you have plugs. I would like to plug the Kurdish people who have suffered thousands of years of discrimination and also the movie Hotel for Dogs, which is about if dogs were in a hotel. Oh, not hospitals. Dog dog hotels, not hospitals. Not, not hospitals, dog hospitals. Yeah. yeah. Dog hotels, not bombs. <laughs> I would like to plug world peace and our Lord and Savior, Fuck. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's even bigger. Savior Fuck. of our souls. We're and talking my about other the podcast, Pod Damn America, and also or my other podcast, Why You Mad. This one's Pod Damn America. And merch. <laughs> we have merch for sale. I'm going to have a new logo, new shirt soon. Uh, oh. Cool can I also can I also plug the coexist bumper sticker? Yeah, you can plug just that. A, a we don't sell it. We just want to yeah. just, just think of it in your mind. Let mm -hmm. it soak in. Awareness. Hey, and I'd like to plug like just join DSA, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be cool. there. It's cool. I'd like to plug. I've been like kind of tired today, that, and yeah. I think it's coronavirus, <laughs> but I can't get tested. So that's my plug. <laughs> cool plug. Not getting I can't tested? get tested. Yeah. Oh, there's just a big Don't rush right tested, now. It's everybody. gonna take like a day or two. <laughs> you my point is, you shouldn't need to get tested, and that's my plug. Okay, right, because no one should be sick. I'd like because to plug no my coronavirus sick. vaccine. I'm selling it on uh, Instagram for like six dollars a mile. <laughs> What's in it? 
Uh, pee? Kratom. Kratom and pee. It's micro-targeted advertising. It's just for Anders. <laughs> it's what they gave Trump, and that's why he's better now. Yeah. Um, Trump's that's when he got cool pissed now. on in that video. He was, a, he was vaccinating himself for when he's <laughs> in the future, when he gets this thing that only politicians know about. Um, <laughs> I also want to vlog our Patreon. Please support our show and listen to our bonus episodes. Oh yeah, we got a good one about Jesus. We have a very fun episode about evangelicals that Andrews did, and where I talked about evangelical cats. You can listen to yeah. it. We put out last week. We should gotta end. All right, bye, <laughs> California. California. California.